What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project Podcast. My name is Austin Jardine. Happy freaking Monday. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Uh, you know, I recently moved down to Utah and have been kind of playing the uh, exploration game a little bit, mostly just riding around on my motorcycle. But this past weekend, I ventured uh, quite a ways beyond uh, Salt Lake and kind of the surrounding area and drove uh, a couple hours south to go attempt to fish. And you know what? It was a little windy and I am definitely not God's gift to mankind when it comes to fly fishing or fishing in general. So struggled uh, a lot of it. And uh, gave it a feeble attempt, in all honesty, but it was pretty tough. Nevertheless, uh, I did go explore a little bit more. Kind of drove around uh, through some of the cool canyons and everything. Drove down to uh, Goblin Valley, which is pretty damn cool if I say so myself. Got a couple, a uh, couple of cool pictures. Spent some time, kind of just exploring, seeing what's around. And you know, it's really funny because I come from Idaho, where you've got uh, lots, 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 and lots of flatland, and then mountains. And so it was a lot of fun to kind of go see some of the red rock and some of the cool goblins. And I didn't see any slot canyons or anything, but I did see um, some cool hieroglyphs and whatnot. So it was, uh, it was really cool. Or hieroglyphs. Is it hieroglyphs or petroglyphs? Either way, it was really neat. Um, it was kind of fun just to go ride around a little bit and spend some time kind of just exploring, uh, riding around in my truck. But I hope you all had a wonderful weekend, found some something to uh, recharge your batteries and get ready for this week. But as you know, we're kind of back onto a, a two-week or every other week cadence for publishing episodes just so that I can go continue to do stuff like that, re or continue to get acclimated to uh, my new work experience and my new living situation and kind of the new city and everything. So um, on a uh, every other week cadence at this this point but still doing my best is to bring bring content to y'all and uh, share some folks life stories and I'm really excited because as you all um, are hopefully aware by now that my goal with this podcast is really not to spend a whole lot of time talking about myself. My my goal really is to sit down with folks, interview them about their life stories, uh, understand how they got to where they're at, and hopefully share uh, their life experience, um, some of the motivations, struggles that they've gone through, life lessons that they've learned with you all in a way to hopefully relate and motivate you uh, to kind of tackle whatever it is that you're facing and maybe find a community to join in on. So one thing that I'm very uh, excited about is as I've continued to network and find and meet and interview some of these folks, I've learned a lot um, and, and been able to apply in some way, shape or form the things that they've uh, taught me and helped me record in a in a meaningful way in my own life. Now, I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it, but I'm just saying that, man, it's over, uh, I think we're about a year and a half in now of recording almost, and it's finally starting to sink in and, and, and kind of lend itself to some of the things that I'm trying to do and make my life, uh, make my life, my life experience like, which is really neat. You know, I feel very, very fortunate. It's pushing me in some crazy directions and, and very challenging, but you know what, you kind of look at life a different, uh, with a little bit different perspective, having, you know, met some of these folks that really just want to help you see, help see you become successful, happy, and healthy. So kind of all that to say, that's really my goal with this show is to help you find folks to get connected to, plugged into some uh, maybe uh, motivation, lifestyle changes, uh, direction, whatever the case may be, right? So really that's my hope. I don't, like I said, spend a lot of time talking about myself. I've interviewed a couple of messages here and there, uh, or I guess uh, recordings here and there to talk about some of my life. Um, but otherwise I spend a lot of time on the Instagram, kind of just taking pictures and documenting a lot of the shit that goes on and, and kind of, uh, sharing that life experience with y'all. So 
Um, that to say, um, I'm very excited because I do partner with several different companies um, to bring the show to you. Um, one of them is uh, is Eberly Stock. Eberly Stock is based out of uh, Boise, Idaho, so good old back home, and uh, they are awesome people. Um, I've partnered with them over the years doing just a variety of different things, whether that's my long range shooting, some of the photography stuff that I've gotten into and now with this podcast. And they manufacture some of the best gear I think you can get your hands on. Um, gear being technical hunting gear or office stuff. Like I've got their, uh, their Owyhee field shirt that I wear the office every so often. Um, one of my favorite pieces of gear, both for hunting, fishing, camping, um, sometimes around town and whatnot is the, uh, uh, Bruno hoodie. And it's a very lightweight, stretchy hoodie that I think is just perfect. It fits my long monkey arms. They've got thumb holes. So if you want to throw gloves on or protect your hands while you're fishing, for instance, um, it's spectacular, but otherwise they make a ton of a different technical packs. So that would be your EDC packs, your hunting frames, uh, your tactical bags, or your uh, military gear, all of that stuff. Um, so they just make some phenomenal gear. Uh, on the daily, I actually use my kite backpack. Um, I've got it in all black. I usually cinch it down on my motorcycle while I'm headed into the office. It's a great day bag if I want to just load up, you know, some lunches, snacks, a change of clothes, whatever the case may be, and take off for the day. So um, be sure to give the uh, retail store a call. Let them know the Vanguard Project sent you uh, and get hooked up. Uh, you know, I know that uh, at least back home, deer season's kind of coming to a close. Elk season is getting kind of getting ramped up so be sure to go get your shit squared away and uh let me know tag me on the instagram follow me on the instagram and uh oh, a lot of words i think that was a one and done pre uh, uh pre-roll uh, recording which seems to never happen anymore but you know what that is enough rambling for me for today i hope you all enjoy today's episode i'm really excited because Lindsay is an awesome lady and i was super thankful to have uh pinned her down to, to chat a little bit and get her life story so we're gonna roll an awesome episode and we'll catch you next time What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. My name is Austin Jardine. I'm really excited because uh, today I'm chatting with Miss Lindsay Persico. And I'm excited because you and I have chat just a little bit. Um, I think you just recently got your podcast up and running. And you do a lot of cool, fun stuff in the outdoor world, a lot of hunting. And I'm really excited to chat because kind of as we were BSing a little bit beforehand, I think you've got a lot of life uh, that you can share. And I feel like... Uh, a lot of good insight. So I'm excited to chat, but if you don't mind, uh, Lindsay, maybe introducing yourself uh, and a little bit about you, and then I will just start taking notes. I don't think you can see, but I've got my pen and pad right here that I'll just take some notes and uh, ask you a couple of questions as we go. Sounds good. Thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, my name is Lindsay Persico. I live in Montana, but I grew up in Idaho. I have three kiddos married to my wonderful husband and the outdoors really is kind of a big part of our life. We fall is pretty much full of hunting, um, all the big game species. I like predator hunting, even though I'm not very good at it. Um, also fitness and, uh, nutrition are kind of a big part of my life. I'm an online fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle coach. And then I do some wilderness survival skills instruction and uh just recently went up to alaska this summer for our first 
set of women's retreats where we taught um, backcountry skills and fly fishing and things like that and uh, way back in, in in Alaska, which was super fun. Um, basics about me, let's see. I stay at home. I'm able to work from home. Coaching online allows me to be home with my kiddos, which I love. Uh, it's been a huge blessing. And dabbling in the podcast world, mine is nowhere near at the stage that yours is at. I started it just for fun. And I had thought about starting one in the past and I, I didn't do it because my schedule is just nuts. I'm super busy. I have a lot on my plate. Um, but I kind of am like you. We talked a little bit before we started. I really love to hear people's stories. I'm fascinated about the behind the scenes of people's lives, like what makes them tick, how they think, why they are in the place that they're at and their perspective on things. And so I started my podcast just to, to have an opportunity to talk to people. I've been a guest on a lot of podcasts and I always find myself wanting to ask the host questions <laughs> <laughs> because I want to know what they're thinking and what makes them tick. So I started it for fun and I told myself, I'm not going to put myself on a schedule. I'm not going to worry about how many people are watching it. I'm going to have the interviews I want to have. I'm going to put them out when I'm ready to put them out and I'm going to keep it fun. So that's what mine is about. That's a lot. <clears throat> so maybe if we could just start at the beginning then. So, I mean, did you grow up in the outdoor world? Has that always been a part of life or, I mean, kind of like we were talking, I, I didn't grow up doing anything really outside. Was that step one for you? Yeah, I was very blessed to grow up in a pretty rural community. My town I grew up in was about 200 people. Um, and my folks were very outdoor oriented. My dad hunted in, and I had an older brother and he uh, could have really easily just took my older brother off hunting and took him out on adventures and left me home, but he didn't, he took me with him and kind of started that foundation inside of me of a love for being out there and showed me what it was about. He was super patient. He, uh, he made it fun for a little kid and I still go hunting with him every year. I just got back from his archery elk camp over in Idaho and I go every year and I don't hunt. I bring it. I usually have a wolf tag or a bear tag in my pocket for Idaho, but I'm mostly there to videotape and just spend time with my dad and make those memories. So yeah, I was really blessed to grow up in the outdoors. That's cool. So what about the outdoors then? I mean, he said, you said that he had made it fun for you. I mean, was there something else about it that really appealed to you? Was it, you know, the danger, the fun, the hard, I mean, what about it appealed to you? Um, I always really felt like I had a connection with nature, not to be like super, um, hippie weird, but there's something about being out there that just feels like it's where I was supposed to be. It feels mm -hmm. like I'm home when I'm out there and it's, he, he provided the opportunities for me to have still quiet moments in the outdoors. And I think our life, you know, was pretty, I had a great childhood. I look back and I feel super lucky and super blessed, but there was a lot of stress and a lot of, um, hard stuff that happened in my childhood. And the outdoors was always just that peaceful, quiet place. And it was almost like a reset and it just felt good to be out there. And he, he provided me with those opportunities and he looked at it that way too. So he would be the one pointing out to me like, Oh, look at the beautiful sunset or look at this cool tree. He would teach me about the little things, the subtle things out there, not just hunting, not just about the experience of, you know, trying to get 
an animal and fill a tag. It was also just about the experience of being outside and being in the outdoors and looking at what was in nature and really appreciating it for what it was. Hmm. So was that something that like you've, I feel like I've got a question that I can't quite form. I mean, do you feel like that's something that you still carry on now or as you go out and spend time out that you're like, okay, this is me unplugging, getting away, kind of reconnecting. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So I would say there's, there's two, I do two kinds of hunting. <laughs> there's the hunting where I have a tag in my pocket and I'm determined that this tag needs to be filled. Um, I was lucky and I drew a goat tag this year for here in Montana. And when I went out on that goat hunt, that was that kind of a hunt. It was like, it's about filling this tag. I might not ever get this tag again. And, and that's what this hunt is about. And then there's hunts where I'll go out. I have a deer tag in my pocket or I have a wolf tag or a bear tag in my pocket. And I would love to fill that tag, but it's also about just spending time in the outdoors, um, being able to kind of reboot and reset and let some of that stress go. Um, it's kind of twofold. And if I don't fill that tag, it's still just as much of a successful trip. And it, and it really served the purpose that I, that I intended to, when I set out there for that. Trip. Yeah. So it can be both. That makes sense. I've done similar with like hiking and stuff and fishing where it's like, Hey, I just want to be outside. And as long as I'm kind of out breathing fresh air and not giving it really caring about anything other than just breathing, everything's good. Right. And then some days when you get out and it's especially frustrating when you don't get anything, when yeah. you get, when you set out to catch something, you're like, I'm upset. Like I'm going home. A little grumpy. It's fine. I'll wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be that way on just a hike like you said like sometimes you have this destination like you want to get to this high mountain lake and it's like i don't care i gotta hurry i can't like stop and smell the roses on the way right you're just like booking it to try to make it to that destination so there's the hunts where it's a destination focused and there's a hunt where it's the journey focused and it can be both yeah so did you i guess is everything that you've learned hunting did you learn from your dad or i mean have you taken a bunch of classes and everything or just hunting with a bunch of different folks you know it's been a, a combination of a lot of things so my dad was definitely my foundation um trial and error and then i've done a lot of solo hunting a lot of hunting on my own i really like being out there by myself so i've learned a lot just trial and error on my own um, I hunted quite a lot with my ex. So I have a, uh, this is my second marriage. I have an ex-husband. That's where my daughters are from that first marriage. And then I have my son now with my current husband and, uh, we hunted a ton and then I've hunted now a lot with my hubby too. So a lot of different people have poured into that part of my life and taught me a lot. And I can you know, honestly say it's bits and pieces of all of it. Yeah. That was going to be my next question, right? Is as you've learned and done, you know, uh, hunting with a bunch of other folks, right? I mean, how have you kind of morphed it into what you hunt now? I mean, did you sit down and you're like, hey, this is what I like about person A versus person D versus person C and piecing it together to say, this is how I hunt? I guess as I've gone along throughout those different experiences, I always just pick up what I really like about yeah. each one. And I've always carried those things into my own hunts. Definitely like my favorite hunting is off by myself. Yeah. I love to go by myself. I get to be... I get to be the one that writes that story. I get to make the decisions. I get to decide, you know, am I going left or right? Am I headed up that ridge or am I going down the drainage? You know, you get to make those decisions. It's like you're writing your own adventure book. And I love those kinds of hunts, but I also love going out with other people and learning from them. With my dad, um, for me, every time I get to go out with my dad, it's just an opportunity to build more memories with him. 
and have those experiences with my husband. A lot of it, we learn together. He has a lot more elk hunting experience than I do. So I learn a lot from him elk hunting. Um, I have a lot of whitetail hunting experience. So we kind of share off of each other. We've, we've grown a lot together in our hunting. Um, so yeah, it's just a combination of it. And then I just take the bits and pieces I like and, and apply them in my own solo hunts more than anything. Solo hunting to me always sounds fun, but like, not going to lie, it sounds very intimidating, right? Like, how did you get comfortable solo hunting, let alone like, this is going to sound like I'm a big wuss, but like sleeping on the mountain alone. Like to me, it's like, I could go, I feel like, I feel like I could go backpacking alone, but then like sun goes down you're like, I'm being watched. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally get that. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me that. And I've even taught like some of my clients, I work with a lot of hunters in my clientele because, um, I help people get ready for hunts that they're maybe not physically up to yet. Maybe they drew a goat tag or they drew moose tag in Alaska. And they're like, I need to be able to pack 150 pounds and I'm not there. Um, and I'll have some of my clients say, Hey, I'm headed out. This is gonna be my first solo trip. And I'm nervous. I'm nervous about being out there by myself, you know? And I wish I had some like trick that I could tell you that's going to, that's going to take that away and just make it non-existent. But if I look back at my past and, and what I truly believe became the point where I was okay being alone out there, I would say it was when I really became comfortable with my immortality. And I said, you know what we have, we all have an expiration date. It's going to happen. I don't know when it is but I'm, I'll be damned if I'm going to sit in my house and wait for it. It's coming no matter what. I might as well be out making the memories I want to make, having the experiences I want to experience and, and having those adventures. And if I die doing what I love, hell yeah. I'd way rather die doing what I love than dying in a hospital bed of cancer, having not experienced all those things in life. Yeah. So when I'm out there, I think, yeah, there's a chance I take every precaution I can take, I have an inReach with me so that I can get a hold of, you know, emergency services if needed. I always have a pistol with me. I don't, you know, keep my food in my tent. I take the precautions I need to take to try to, to be smart about being out there alone, but then I'm going to go and enjoy the adventure and something eats me. So be it. How did you become comfortable with your immortality? Was that like a, did you have like a, oh shit moment? Or did you sit down and be like, no, this is how I want to live life. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible, but <laughs> honestly, I think it was getting to the point where I wanted, I would have preferred to not be here. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I went through some really hard stuff in my life. I was in a really abusive relationship for a long time and it took a big mental toll, um, and when you don't know how to handle those things, it starts to wear on you and drag you down and become a super heavy weight that you're carrying around. And when it gets to that point where there's like a threshold, you crest over that threshold and you're like, man, being dead would be better than this. Like, I don't really want to be here. And once you get to that point and you work through that and you come out the other side of it, then death is just not as so scary anymore. It's not something that... Um, it's not intimidating. It's just a piece of life. It's a part of life. It's almost like, uh, and I, and I have a religious background and I have no belief about what happens after I die. And I just look at it as the next step in the journey. I don't look at it as like, 
the end. It's just a piece of this experience that leads into the next experience. And so for me, it's not, it's not something to be feared. It's not something to be expedited, but it's also not something to be feared. It'll be, it'll happen when it happens. And in the meantime, I want to live the best I can while I'm here. And I want to make all those memories and have all those experiences. I would regret more not having those experiences than I would making a mistake and hitting that endpoint yeah. early. So maybe a few questions out of that, if it's all right. Mm-hmm. How did you, I'm going to start with, how did you process kind of those, that experience and those feelings to kind of come to terms with death is just a part of the process. And I asked that question in case somebody listening is in a similar situation and maybe at that same point where they're like, it would be easier just to pull the plug. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it took a, it was a, there's a lot of pieces to that. So therapy, you know, getting help processing through what it was that made everything feel so heavy, um, getting help, recognizing why I felt that way, you know, where those feelings were coming from and, um, gaining tools to help me process through them and allow them to be, I I was one of those people that really avoided my emotions for a long time. And I had a hard time sitting with them. I didn't think that it was good to sit with them. I just wanted everything to be okay. Um, but learning how to sit with emotions and accept them for what they are, it's okay to feel that way. It sometimes it really truly is easier. It would be so much easier to just quit, but in the end, I look at it and I'm like, man, yeah, I could quit now. And it, maybe it would be easier, but some of the stuff that I value the most in my life that I went through was the hard stuff. So just because staying here is harder, doesn't make it a worse option. It just means I have the opportunity to learn more. I have the opportunity to grow more and it's okay. If it's hard, it's okay. If it sucks and it's okay. If I don't want to do it. Um, usually we walk through those experiences. We walk through those feelings and we come out the other side better for it and stronger. And it doesn't stay that way forever. It gets better. Yeah. I can echo sitting with your feelings, right? That was one thing that I have learned as well, that it is temporarily the most difficult thing you can do, but it's not permanent. Right. So in that experience, then, you know, should there be somebody that's going through that or struggling what would be maybe one or two things that you've learned or would advise people to help kind of move themselves forward? You know, for me, that one of the biggest things was finding an artistic outlet. So something that helps you express yourself. And um, for me, that, I have a lot of different artistic outlets and some people maybe don't feel necessarily artistic. So it'd be something that um, just lights you up inside. But for me, it's, it was writing, either writing or pencil drawing or, you know, creating something. I love to create things. So even if I was feeling really low, like I would sit with a pencil and a piece of paper and I would be like, what do I feel like right now? And usually something would come to me that I don't, for some reason was associated with that feeling. And then I would draw it. And by the time I got done with that drawing, it was very therapeutic. It was very helpful. And it it allowed me to sit with that emotion, but take that emotion and turn it into something positive. 
because it's, it's okay to have those feelings. We're sometimes going to feel like that. But I think a lot of times we tend to feel these feelings that we don't like, like sadness or anger or, um, all those negative, we call them negative emotions. Well, they're just emotions. They're just a reality and a part of what we're experiencing in life. And it's not bad to have them. It's not like we should try to avoid them. We sit with them. We let them be what they are and we move forward. When you tried to, or when you sat down to write and draw, did you have a particular space or was it just whenever, wherever uh, you felt a particular way you sat down and did it? Oh, as a mom of three, my time <laughs> was limited. So sometimes it wouldn't necessarily be when maybe it would have been best for me. But as soon as I could find the opportunity and some time and space, I would try to sit with myself. Some people, I don't know, some people have a really hard time being alone. And I, you know, that's probably tied to a lot of that with where sitting with our emotions and our thoughts can be really uncomfortable. Um, but I love to be alone. I do really well and I need time alone. I do well if I have time alone. Um, so I would put myself into those creative outlets by my, when I was alone, I'd kind of find a place where I could be by myself, but some people might, you know, do better having their family around doing that kind of stuff in the family environment or with a friend or something like that. And I think that could be therapeutic too, but for me, it's, it's just alone time finding that space where I can sit by myself. Yeah. Have you, um, and it's funny because like I've experienced this to a certain extent, have you had to kind of work with your husband on, on helping create those alone times and spaces? Yeah. When I first started into therapy, that was one of the big things that we worked on right up front was for me being able to actually express what I needed where Mm -hmm. it wasn't that I, I knew what I needed, but I couldn't talk about, I just didn't really realize what I needed. You know, a lot of times we we fall out of the habit of taking care of ourselves, or we never establish habits of really taking care of ourselves and recognizing that fact is step one. And then taking the steps necessary to create those opportunities to, for self-care, to actually take care of yourself. Um, It can be a lot of work, especially if you have established an environment where you fill a lot of these roles, like for the family, I filled a lot of roles. I took care of a lot of the stuff that was happening at home. I took care of a lot of the stuff that was happening with the kids. And in order for, for me to have opportunities and space to take care of some of those creative needs that I had, we had to make some changes in the house. And I'm very blessed to have a spouse that's super supportive on that front. And he was all about making sure that could happen. And, and that's a blessing because not everybody has that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Cause as you say that, like I, in my previous relationship too, right. My marriage, it was very much the same where we had to kind of figure out very much the same thing where it was like being able to communicate kind of where the gaps needed to be filled. So, um, okay. So maybe moving on, you said that you also do a lot of fitness and nutrition and feel like I'm bouncing around a little bit this morning, maybe before we move on, is there anything left unsaid kind of in this vein, right? Of either therapy or tough relationships or communication in your current marriage that you're like, man, this is super important for me to share this morning. Oh, well, the communication thing is huge. Um, And I think that's always, that's probably always going to be our hardest thing because we both suck at it (laughs) we're both bad at it but we're both working on it and that's that's what matters um 
but it's a, it's, this is what I've found within the mental health space. And even within like the physical space, it is so important to lean into being uncomfortable when we are focused on staying comfortable, which is what our body wants, which is what our mind wants. We never grow and we never move forward and we stagnate and things build up and things get bad. But if you step into that space of being uncomfortable, you start to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's when you're on point. <laughs> you can, you can consistently lean into and look for those things that make you nervous, scary a little bit, but they're also something that lights you up or it fascinates you, or, you know, you need that space. Um, you're going to keep growing. And that's what I've been working on for the last few years. It's just like, okay, what's the next, like most uncomfortable thing? What do I not want to do? Because that's probably what I need to do. <laughs> All right. So what do you, uh, I mean, maybe not necessarily relationship wise or, or mental health wise, but what are you working on now? That's uncomfortable. That's pushing you forward. Mm. Well, <laughs> it really does kind of tie all into that. So I've been doing the online fitness, nutrition, lifestyle coaching. And one of the big themes underlying that I find with almost all of my clients is that mental piece. And so many times that mental piece, if they could get that on point, everything else would fall into place. The fitness side would fall into place. The nutrition side would fall into place the struggles of a lot of those things come from mindset or trauma-based past those types of issues. And I have always had this feeling that I needed to share my story and use it to help other people. But that's a really uncomfortable and intimidating thing. Mm -hmm. That's super vulnerable. You know, that's, that's like the ultimate for me of being vulnerable. Um, and I never really knew how to do it, but I've known I needed to. And just recently, my therapist was like, you should write down how you're feeling because I was having some struggles. And he's like, just start writing. And I realized like, it's time for me to start stepping into that space. It's time for me to start um, turning what I've learned and what I've experienced into something that can tangibly help other people. And so I've recently begun that process, stepped into that space. And that's really uncomfortable for me. Um, but I'm going to be putting together a podcast series with a therapist that I know kind of talking through my story and using his wisdom and insights to help people understand how people fall into those situations, what goes on in the mind when you're going through that kind of an experience, what it takes to kind of get out of that and what ha needs to happen on the other side of that to, to find healing and to move forward. So Stepping into that space is my current, like, what's my uncomfortable thing I'm doing. <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's not fun to do. I mean, especially when you start talking about like your own experience, it becomes very real, very fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has uh, nutrition and coaching always been kind of part of like a staple of your life? So I mentioned earlier that my past, like in my childhood, we went through a lot of struggles. There was a lot of health issues in my family. My grandpa had cancer and died real young when um, I was about 11. He passed away, but he'd been sick for quite a long time. And my mom had um, horrible autoimmune issues. And my aunt died suddenly real young with um, a combination of a viral meningitis and autoimmune issues. And my dad had cancer. And there was just so many health issues 
um, that I became really interested in health and nutrition and fitness at a very young age. I was reading a lot of books at about age 13 on the, on the subject. Um, and then going through the situation I did with my first marriage came out on the other side of that. And I didn't understand why, but I ended up with an autoimmune disease. Um, now I know why, but at the time I didn't, I didn't recognize that it had a lot to do with stress um, and its effects on the body. But that space, I think my interest in it really came from just watching so many of my family members suffering from health conditions and wanting to understand why and how to prevent that for myself. Hmm. Okay. So then obviously it took a very big part of your life because is that what you do kind of day to day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ended up, so I went and got, you know, certified as a personal trainer. Fitness was always kind of, I loved lifting weights and I loved training so that I could hunt in the mountains and carry packs and carry L quarters out and that kind of thing. And I did that on my own for a long time. And so many people were like, you should be a trainer. Like you, you know, you kind of do all this stuff anyway, like it just would fit really well for you. So I went and got certified as a personal trainer. And then I went and got a um, specialization in fitness nutrition and I started online coaching so I could stay home with my kids and still have, you know, the ability to kind of work outside of just washing dishes and doing laundry. Um, and I did it for just a little while. And then I got the opportunity to go on that alone, the beast show. Um, so I ended up closing down my business going on that show. And when I came back, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I liked doing the, the coaching, but I hated the business side of it. I still had a lot of um, stuff to work through on the mental health side. And it was overwhelming for me. It was just too much for my capacity with everything else I had going on. And I didn't like that part of it. And, um, my dad watched this show stuck in the rut hunting show on YouTube. And there's a gal on there named Tana Grenda. And he pointed her out to me. He's like, man, you and this chick would get along so good. Like she is up here in Alaska hunting moose and she's packing out the quarters herself. Like she's super strong. She's not, you know, having somebody else packing all her stuff around you, you and her would get along great. So I followed her on Instagram. I was like, Oh, cool. I'll check her out. And it was only like a couple weeks later that she posted on Instagram that she was hiring a assistant fitness and nutrition coach for her current. <laughs> online. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> that was perfect timing. So I applied for that. We hopped on the phone and we just hit it off right off the bat connected really well. And I've been working for her. It's coming up on two years as a coach for her company. So I don't have to do the business side of it. I just get to do the coaching, which was just a perfect fit for me. That seems like all the stars align. That's awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I love hearing when stuff like that happens. You're like, man, I wanted X and next thing you know, it's there and you get after. That's cool. So um, <clears throat> I know too that you'd mentioned that you do a lot of stuff like with the uh, survival classes and let's say I took a note, survival classes and wilderness survival. That's what it was. And you did your retreat. Was that retreat in, up in Alaska through her as well? Yeah. So our company decided to start offering women's retreats last year. We did three women's retreats. We took basically 10 women, threw them in float planes, flew them out to the bush, dropped off, and then 
set up tents and we did, you know, some medical stuff. We did survival skills, fire building, shelter building, fly fishing, took them on a big hike and, um, talked a lot about mindset, did a lot of those types of things out there. And we did three of them, one in June and then two back to back in July. And they were freaking fun (laughs) for the best. I had a great time. The women seemed to have a blast and we're doing they're about to launch again, opening spots for them next year. We've got two coming up in July. And then she's also launching a couples retreat with her and her husband. So they're going to take couples out, which would be kind of neat. That's cool. So when you're taking these women out, I mean, are you taking them and I'm asking kind of in the vein of either getting folks interested in it and then also helping. Cause I feel like I've interviewed a few other folks where they're like, yeah, it's hard to get women because they don't feel like they can, right? Or like they should. How are you appealing and who are you appealing to to get these women out to Alaska? So our premise is it's all women ran, it's mm-hmm. all women based. And that automatically helps because a lot of times gals feel intimidated by the male in that space. They're, you know, generally the guys are way more confident, they're way more experienced, they're stronger. Um, so it's intimidating and just having it be women led, I think made a big difference on helping women feel comfortable. And then we tailored it to, you know, it's, it was about helping women gain confidence out there. So maybe they were interested in it. Um, they've kind of had, had some experience in the outdoors with a spouse or with a husband or a dad or some other figure, but they hadn't had much experience on their own. And they didn't feel like they had a lot of those skills that they needed to be able to go out on their own and feel confident. So that was really the premise of it. And I think, I mean, we have a wait list of 250 people that want to go and it definitely hit the vein of what women are looking for. They want women led, they want to feel confident, comfortable. They want to have those experiences and they want to build their own confidence by gaining some skills and experience in a safe environment where they feel, where they feel safe and they don't feel judged and they don't feel pressured. That's awesome. So what kind of skills are you hoping to to share with them? Well, we, everything that we did, we used it as a teaching experience. So, you know, when we put the tents up, we taught them about, you know, what do you consider when you're putting a tent up? How do you properly put up a tent? Um, how do you pick a location to put your tent? Uh, we taught them fire building skills. So we taught them not only, you know, your an easy fire that you'd want to generally create, but if you don't have all the resources, you know, how do you build, um, a fire with a flint and steel? How do you, um, dry out your tinder? If you're in a wet environment, the bush is a really good place to have to teach people fire building. Cause you have very limited resources. <laughs> um, you know, shelter building skills. We taught them about how to, pack your pack really well. What do you need to have with you? We showed them, you know, what to bring. If you're going out on a hunt, what do you need to have with you so that you can comfortably spend the night and know that you're going to be okay? Um, A lot of medical, basic medical skills so that, you know, they can put together a first aid kit for their pack and know how to handle some situations if they come up and take care of themselves on that front. Um, How to use a GPS, how to use Onyx or base maps, um, land navigation, all of that kind of stuff. Just as many things as we possibly could fit into four or five days. <laughs> That's like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> oh yeah. It was a little overwhelming. I think <laughs> it's a lot of information all at once for people, but yeah, I can imagine. So I feel like we've covered quite a bit of ground. 
maybe one question I'm thinking of is kind of throughout your life experience, is there maybe one story or I guess event that you're like, man, this is something that has shaped me that I love to talk about or that I don't get asked a whole lot about that's worth telling. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I've told this story before and it's not anything extravagant, but it's something that's really stuck with me through transitional periods of my life. Um, I had a mentor growing up. He was my pastor. He was a really cool guy. Um, and for some reason he invested a lot in me as a kid. And I remember I was at a point where I was getting done with high school and I kind of had a crossroads. I was like, I don't know which direction to go. I could go, you know, to this equine. Like I, I did a lot of horse related stuff for a long time. I was like, I could go to this equine college and I could go this route or I could go this other way. And, and I, I remember emailing him back in the day, email where we, that was all we had. And he, uh, I was like, what do I do? How do I make this decision? How do I know what's the right thing to do? I don't want to make the wrong choice. Like I felt like there was a right and a wrong choice. I'm like, how do I know which one's right? And he was like, you know, make yourself a pros and cons list. And he said, I don't think it's necessarily always that there's a right or wrong. Like you could go both routes and it can turn into a great thing either way. It doesn't really matter. When it comes down to it, he's like, look at the things you have ahead of you and do the things in life that you would regret not doing. And I was just like, oh, that's that makes sense. And I know exactly what I want to do when you say that. So I use that to make that decision. But I have used that to make almost every major decision since then. Hmm. And it has always helped me because it pushes you outside of that comfort zone. It pushes you into those things that scare you. Because I've had opportunities that came up and there's so many reasons I could talk myself out of doing it, whatever it is, whether it was going on the show, whether it was, you know, doing the retreats in Alaska, whatever it was, there's so many th ways I could have talked myself out of it. But when I look at it, like, is there a potential that I could regret it if I don't do this? Almost always I could say, yeah, yeah, I, I know I have to do this thing, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's scary in some ways, I got to do it because I would possibly regret it if I didn't. Look ahead. Is that what he said? Like, look beyond just the decision. He just basically said, you know, weigh the pros and cons. If something has, if there's something that's there in front of you and you could really go either way with it, he's like, do what you would potentially regret it if you don't do. Like, if, yeah, if you're looking ahead and you're like, man, I might regret looking back and not taking that opportunity. I need to do it. So that seems to be, it's really funny because. The more I talk to people, that is like the most prevailing theme, right? It's just like, dude, you're going to die. Kind of like what you mentioned in the beginning, right? Oops. That at the end of the day, we're all six feet under, right? Or burned, right? Um, you know, and it's like, don't, don't look back. That's one thing that like, I, I feel very passionate about, right? Is at the end of the day, all you have are the stories, right? And the life you have, the life you've lived. So, I mean, might as well make it worthwhile, you know, and I'm like slowly working my way into like actually doing that because it's, it's very challenging. Right. But yeah, it's, it's fun to hear that. It's like, I feel like older, wiser people have understood that differently. Right. That it's like, Hey, they look back and they've got their own regret or they look back and they're like, dude, I don't regret anything because I 
did exactly that where, you know, they just lived, they lived the life. I think it's a, I think it's harder for us in our culture now because our culture places we have this formula for what is a successful life. Right. Right. And we feel like we got to kind of chase our dreams and do these things, but under the overshadow of this success and that that's what it looks like to be successful. And we, we make our decisions based off what we think other people want us to do or Mm -hmm. other people think we should do. But when it comes right down to it, if you're not following your heart, you're not going to be happy. And there's a passion and a drive inside of you for a reason. And it's leading you in the right direction. And not everybody's going to agree with it. Not everybody's going to understand it. And not everybody's going to like it. And it's not going to look like necessarily what everybody else thinks success is. But if you're happy and you're fulfilled, then you have reached success. It doesn't matter if it doesn't look like what the world says it should. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like that's such a hard lesson. That's a hard lesson learned. And I mean, that's one thing that I totally agree with too, is that not everybody's going to understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I don't feel like there's necessarily a reason to even try to have to explain it because no. it's, it's too difficult. Right. I understand. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. I, it's taken me a long time to get to that point. I used I, to be very much focused on making sure everybody else was taken care of. Everybody else was happy. Um, I made all my decisions based off what everybody else wanted. And I was the most miserable person. You can't live that way. <laughs> That's not a life. That's no way to live. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm, I'm getting there, right? Like I've taken recently some pretty good steps in living that same life. But anyways, so maybe one of my favorite questions, this is this is definitely one of my favorite, but um, kind of given all of the things that you've learned and kind of your life experience, if you were to go back or tell somebody that's more or less following your footsteps that you're like, man, this is one thing that I've learned that is incredibly important to me that I wish I'd have known, what would it be? Mm. Oh man, so many. (laughs) It's loaded. And it doesn't have to be one. I mean, you can go on a whole on tangent. I'm not going to stop you. Uh, Well, one of the ones that's been really slapping me in the face lately um, is uh, sometimes when your kiddos come and talk to you, it's not because they need you to fix stuff. It's because they just need you to freaking listen to them. And I have always been that mom who was like, oh my gosh, my kid has an issue. I got to figure out how to fix this. I just got to fix it. And, and it was out of love. You know, my motive was pure. My heart in it was pure, but it wasn't what they needed. They just needed me to listen. (laughs) And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Like sometimes people just need somebody to listen and to validate where they're at right now and tell them it's okay. And even if they're completely off the wall, which teenagers often are, like they're looking at it from totally the wrong perspective it's not even accurate it's okay and sometimes they just need you to listen and maybe my other super fun question is um you know like i feel like we've probably glazed over some stuff but is there anything left unsaid that you're like man again this is super important for me to share that you know either i don't get asked about a whole lot that i would like to kind of get out on paper, more or less, you know, get off my chest this morning. Hmm. Um, I know there were quite a few years where I was operating in survival mode. And I know a lot of people could fall into that category where they're living in survival mode. Like they have 
undergone some, some traumatic experiences, they've had a lot of stress or whatever it is, and they're operating in survival mode. And one thing I learned was that when I'm in survival mode, it's impossible for me to think futuristic. You cannot think forward when you're in survival mode, you're thinking about right here, right now. And I could look back and really beat myself up over decisions I made in survival mode because, you know, they weren't futuristic. They weren't necessarily the best decisions for future me or my future family. But in the time that I was in, that was the best decision for that moment. It was the best decision for the mode I was in. And I have to, I've had to come to terms with accepting who I was and where I was and the decisions I made at that point in time. And not beating myself up over that stuff, but then also recognizing like, hey, pay attention to the decisions you're making now and make sure you're not making them in survival mode. Are you thinking about like right here, right now, what do I need in this moment? Because you're anxious, you're stressed, you're not looking futuristic. And if so, like take a step back for a minute. Don't make that decision until you can have that forethought, that future um, insight to be able to make a decision that's not just in survival mode. Because a lot of times those really aren't the best decisions that I've made. Yeah. Okay. Survival mode. I feel like I've been there too. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have. Yeah. 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 How did you, how'd you pull yourself out of survival mode? I feel like that's a pretty easy thing to get stuck in. I don't know. So I'm really hoping that someday I can consider myself out of survival mode Fair. right now. I feel like I pull myself out long enough to make wise decisions and to, to look at things clearly before I fall back in. Because my, I, my default mode was survival mode for years. You know, I lived in that mode for years. And, you know, it is hard to pull yourself out of that. But a lot of it comes from just reality testing and starting to recognize you're okay. You're safe. It's, it's all right. You don't have to constantly be looking for the next thing that's going to come and sideswipe you. Yeah, stuff's going to happen. But right now, right here in this space, you're okay. It's all right. Um, but anytime something happens to trigger that fight or flight, that kind of a survival instinct, then it sucks you back in, right? And you're in that space again. But recognizing when I'm there helps. You know, if I can actually just be more self-aware, okay, why am I feeling like this right now? What am I thinking right now? Am I, am I stressed out and in survival mode because of this thing that just happened to me? Okay, let's, let's think through what's going on. Am I okay? Is everything all right? Everything's okay. It's going to be fine and start to pull yourself back into reality because it's kind of an altered reality in that space. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, shoot. I want to be respectful of your time this morning, but is there anything that you would like to either continue talking about or bring up that we haven't yet spoken about? Um, not really. I think I would just say, you know, for people out there, if you feel, that like stuck or you don't feel like a lot of drive or motivation or um, foresight or anything like that. Just um, start paying attention to those little things that light you up inside. Those little things that just make you feel really good. It could be something small. It could be something really little. It could be sunrise, could be your coffee, it could be, you know, a certain person that just lights you up inside, whatever it is that just gives you that feeling where you feel good. Um, and just lean into that stuff, spend a little bit more time following those things and try to build your life in where there's more and more of those experiences and less and less of those things that just make you feel heavy. 
Lindsay, once again, thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down and share your story with me. I hope everybody listening took some amazing information away from her and uh, some of this life lesson learned. Um, I will be sure to link in the episode description her uh, Instagram and uh, contact information. But otherwise, I hope you all have a wonderful week and we will catch you next time. Thank you.